Hey everybody, we are back with a very special episode today. My name is Heather Day. And I'm Allison. Hey. hey. <laughs> Some people call her Allie, you know. Some yeah. people say Allie's son, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But we're so happy to have Allie back today uh, because she is such a great person to turn to for just very rich you know, opinions. They're just, they're just special and they're one of a kind. And we want to talk about something that's very heavy today. Uh, but first, I want to start off with my dramatic but valid thoughts. Um, it's my opinion that everybody should have free dental insurance because we all have teeth. And I don't think that rich people should have great white teeth. I think that everyone should have beautiful pearly whites and it shouldn't be something you have to come so deep out of pocket for because I deserve to get my teeth cleaned for a cheap rate as well. Do you know what I mean? And I'm really offended by it and my feelings are hurt. And this is just a part of adulting. This is at 25 and older club where it's like life is just very hard. Yeah, I agree. I've never understood why they needed to separate um, medical m- medical from dental and, and vision. vision. It's like my eye, my dental health. Yeah. That's also like, and I was talking to someone a while ago who is a dentist or orthodontist. And they spoke about how your teeth or your dental health is also related to your heart health. Look I did not even know that. Like, the grinding of the teeth. Obviously, I don't know what I'm talking like about. Like anxiety. But, but And all of that stuff. You have anxiety and, and then you grind your teeth. Why would you separate that? Why would you tell me I have medical insurance? But then when I go to the dentist, it's like, oh, girl. Go get somebody else to do it. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying that because... If you really know me and you really, really love me, you would notice that one side of my face is a little bit puffier than the other side. So it's because my wisdom tooth needs to be pulled and I have an infection. Ew. But um, yes, so I'm really going through it. I never had to get my wisdom teeth pulled. If you've gotten your wisdom teeth pulled, let us know in the comments below. And something we're doing moving forward is commenting on this podcast. Okay. I want these comments to flow. Talk to us. <laughs> talk to us. Engage with us. Talk because we're us. talking to you. Yes. So don't be scared. And we, and we do wanna. And we do wanna interact. I mean, look at me saying we. I'm. Only, yes. I'm an. I'm an invited guest. She's gonna be a reoccurring guest. She's like a special season regular. Yes. Have I been up, upgraded to season regular? Yeah. Thank you. I love it. We are going to move right along to this very important topic that we wanted to talk to you about and present to you in a timely fashion. Um, This is something that a lot of people obviously have been talking about around the world. I think almost at this point, Uh, it's the story of Tyree Nichols. And I don't know about you, but I was very reluctant to watching this video. I recently watched uh, the 20-minute version that came out, and I know that there's an extended version that was released to the public as well. Um, have you watched the video? No. No. <laughs> no, I haven't I haven't been able to bring myself to see it. Um, it's been so heavy. Intergenerational trauma. And that's something that I think a lot of people, Black people, people of color also can uh, relate to, but specifically black people can relate to uh, because it's this 
it's generation by generation having these kind of like PTSD like feelings, um, having seen other black people killed because of racism. And it's kind of like your own when is this going to happen to me or when is this going to happen to my dad or when is this going to happen to my brothers or when is this going to happen to my boyfriend or when is going to happen to my girlfriends or my mom or it also informs how we move through the world you know it takes away our ability to just be you know the hyper vigilance when you're in certain spaces the hyper vigilance when you're stopped by a cop or whatever the hyper vigilance if you're dressed a certain way and people look at you you know that you're never able to just put it down people get flack for being for employing apathy but maybe that's a trauma response man maybe that's how people clock out to kind of protect themselves Definitely. It's funny because in our first episode, we talked about escapism for those who've been watching, you know, <laughs> but we talked about escapism and almost I, when you're talking about that, it reminds me of having to like detach or like disassociate mm -hmm. because you're coping and it's a coping skill. So yeah. When I was younger, I used to be like, no, you have to go through this. You have to watch the video. You have to feel the pain because I just felt like it's like a, res a responsibility or some kind of like obligation to do so. But now I don't see it that way. Yeah. And I mean, the flip side of that is sometimes when victims live to tell their story, I feel like it's our responsibility to bear witness because it already takes so much courage to, you know, talk about that experience for those who have gone through similar things. Seeing those five black officers um, who were responsible for this, knowing that this was also a unit that was Perpetuating that, this previous not issue. only that, but a sister, the chief of police, who also started this this unit that was I mean, it's broken window policing, you know. And what does that mean for <laughs> broken policing? Listeners? Broken window policing, it's like, you know, we, we are for us here in New York City, we're very familiar with it. It's when um they sick the cops on Folks who do low-level things like, you know, dance on the subway. Loiter. <laughs> Loiter, jaywalk, jump the turnstile, you know, things like that. She deployed these the Scorpion unit in high-crime areas, which turns out to be also predominantly Black, black communities. Which we're going to get into. If I hear high-crime, I'm also hearing what you're not telling me that this is probably a community that's been long Understood. forgotten. Absolutely. Discarded, made to be invisible. And then the answer to that is, go get these scorpions on them. These uh, villains in this story hurt way more to me than Derek Chauvin. When it came down to those five officers, it was like a different kind of, I can't even you felt sum betrayed. it down to like out or out, but it was like, it hurt even more. I also know that not just that all skin folk ain't kin folk. I also know that not everyone wants freedom. Mm -hmm. Some folks just want freedom to be able to 
hurt other people. They want freedom to, they want the free, they want access to the power that the ruling class has. And they, so and access to the power that the ruling class has. So for someone who is like ruling class, that's a little extreme. That's I a little dramatic. What do you mean by ruling class? The white man. The <laughs> the white man. <laughs> Another term that kind of came out, I feel like after George Floyd, was internalized racism. That was a really good term for me to hear because when a group is constantly experiencing racism and prejudice, you begin to take that on and perpetuate it within your community, within your family, to children, and, and the cycle continues. But see, the thing is, proximity to whiteness ain't never gonna save you. So there's this definition about uh, proximity to whiteness and also respectability politics in a book in 1993 by Evelyn Brooks. Her last name is Higginbotham. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it says uh, it's generally defined as what happens when minority and or marginalized groups are told or teach themselves that in order to receive better treatment from the group in power, they must behave better, which just makes a lot of sense. And it was interesting when I continued to read this article from The Root, they were uh, the interviewer asked, well, if you're saying that people who behave better get treated better, what's really so wrong with that, right? But the point is, is that one, it shifts responsibility away from the perpetrator. So that's when we get into victim blaming. Look, look at Michelle Obama. <laughs> she embodies what it means to be like, you know, a respectable, Black. professional, mm-hmm. intelligent woman. Yeah. And... I mean, she checks all the boxes and look at the rhetoric. Look at how she's been spoken. She's been reduced to an angry black woman. She all she's ever done was speak her truth in the most organic way. And that was still not enough to appease the perpetrators, as you called them earlier. Code switching is hard. Mm -hmm. And it's again pandering to white comfortability. So so code switching, things like straightening your hair for work, things like uh, making sure that you refrain from using certain jargon or slogans. I don't know how to say it, but you know, when you talk in a way with your friends and your family at home in the neighborhood you grew up in and you change the way that you speak once you get to work, that's like code switching. So just going back to those five officers who killed uh, Tyree Nichols, they were under such an intense false sense of security that they really, even to the body cameras that were recording, they knew they were recording. They actually believed that they would be protected by blue. We have seen nary a Blue Lives Matter march. And when I was watching the videos, obviously the way in which that Tyree was beat was... Kind of like how, I mean, I can't even think of of any one, any person, any being, any animal who I would do that to. Lifting somebody up who's already basically unconscious to be kicked in the face is like, you guys are losers. You're straight up losers. It was also very corny. I don't understand how tough you feel beating someone up who's unconscious. Get what I'm saying? Also, it's five of y'all. I do want to talk about the 
the black good old boys that decided to pull up and pull out. I don't know if it was cigars or cigarettes. I'm not really sure. It was so interesting. Again, while the cameras are rolling, <laughs> they're over here basically like rubbing each other's backs and and being proud of of how great <laughs> that they did and without saying it without calling it out but going back and forth while you can clearly tell that these officers are fabricating the story right in front of them yeah they're saying like but oh yeah is... he pulled he pulled for my gun he reached for my gun they're making this up as they go allegedly this is just my opinion this is not been proven in any court system or whatever but it was so fascinating that they really had like kind of like you know when you go out to a party and then after everyone stands around and, and recaps the night that's how it felt to me yeah while this man is leaning in and out of consciousness literally falling over yeah. head gushing and to to disassociate themselves from from identifying with him was next level to me yeah. Because not only is he a man, he doesn't he look like your brother? Don't you have someone at home that looks just like him? I wouldn't want to be with none of y'all. Like, just from a girl's perspective, like, y'all all look whack. Not one person said anything. Where did you learn that callous disregard for human life? Let's start at human life before we get into the because fact that that was I'm a black not person, even just like qualifying. Him anybody's reason to live like you're here that's your reason you you deserve to be here you deserve to be safe you deserve protection so this is the other thing if <laughs> someone is leaning over right after you let's just say you two men got in a fight right and they're even two girls two whatever it's equal it's a fair fight let's pretend once a person is unconscious, like, that's the part that keeps me playing in my mind. When I think about George Floyd, I think about him laying on that ground and all the graphic details of that. When I think about this, I actually don't think so much of the beating because I probably wasn't really looking because it was a lot. But I think a lot about him sitting there and being unconscious. And at no point did that rattle them. Can you imagine that being your job? <laughs> to go out right. and perpetuate harm in the name of protecting and serving? So what would you say to people who say it's a, it's a hard job? You know, I, I mean... Who... It really is. It is. I'm not trying to discount that it's a hard job, but you're expected to do things that you are not equipped to do. Gotta defund this shit, man. There is no reforming it. See, we said, okay, we need to diversify the pool. They did that. <laughs> you know, and yeah. look where we are. Look where we are. It's the callous disregard for human life that gets me all the time when we remove the race portion of it. Like, we have got to think about each other in terms of a it's collective wild. community way, right? So these, for and I, I feel like this starts in the schools, right? We start pushing people away who have different abilities, who learn in different ways, and they grow up feeling invisible. What if we started pouring into these communities? What if we didn't make it so hard for them to survive? What if they didn't have to live in neighborhoods with food deserts? Mm -hmm. Why didn't, what if they didn't have to commit crimes of poverty? 
What if they had access to health care? What if mental health care wasn't criminalized? What if homelessness wasn't criminalized? I want to get back to this idea of othering people, which you're talking about that people do starting all the way in yeah. like grade school. This is my thing. I don't know if it's because I'm empathetic. I don't know if it's because I'm Heather. I don't really know. But if I look at a woman, right? I was looking at a woman. I just came off the subway. Normal lady. She was a white lady. I don't even know what she really looked like. All I knew was that that was a woman that was standing in front of me just like me. That's all I knew. She looked like she had a long day. Things like that. I don't know. It's so difficult for me not to see a woman and not know because we're all adults here, not know that she gets her period just like me. I had to bring the period up because we're two girls. You get what I'm saying? So she gets cramps just like me. She needs a pad just like me. She needs a tampon just like me. But just to insert so here, how... trans men also get periods if they haven't had surgery. So we want to make true. sure that we're including true. everyone too because that's a reality for some human true. beings, right? If anyone yeah. came before me and said, ah, I think I just came on. I'll be like, oh, let me get you some Tylenol. Uh, I like my dog, you know, it goes, it heals it all right away. And so I just immediately would connect to that person. My point I'm trying to make is how, how are you, are we disassociating ourselves that deeply? Like, that's really like a tricky one for me to understand. I don't even so, have to like you to want you to be okay. I don't even have to like you to say, oh, my God, look. You need you help. Come. You have. So, yeah, I'm really stuck on that. Like, I also don't want to see you suffer. I don't want bad things to happen to you. I may have to cuss you out, but I want you to be okay. I want you to be safe. I want you to have what you need to be your best self. So I guess the answer to my I don't even delusional know. question is that you have to disassociate. So so I guess that goes into the system of white supremacy. So it's like an ongoing, almost probably subconscious and conscious system that is constantly, we're constantly bombarded with. So it becomes this disassociation that you don't even realize is happening. Did, did we watch Django? Sometimes I wonder, like, are we, what did we take away from Django? Class? Because what I took away was Samuel L. Jackson's role was crazy. He was tweaking, right? But that's some of y'all's grandpa. Grandpa? That's and your some aunts of y'all right And y'all are only 23 years old. You know that in order for us to be even whole, we have to dismantle the system that rewards whiteness above all things. Because you are looking around and you are seeing the rewards that comes with whiteness and lightness. And Absolutely. of course you're gonna want access. You're gonna want access. So of course, you know, people who bleach their skin, mm -hmm. they, they don't hate themselves. They're bleaching it because they know if they're lighter, they get rewarded. They'll get the job. Absolutely. They'll get the man. Mm -hmm. They get treated differently. And we know it. Which is another perceived benefit of white proximity. Mm. Putting lighter skin on a ped pedestal. It was in 2015, did y'all know the Dominican Republic announced that the country would be deporting Haitians in an effort to cleanse their population? I didn't know that in 2015. Uh, I'm just now finding out about this, but I'm not surprised because of the ongoing uh, battles, battles or hating because it's giving me very much so hating energy um that is always cast onto haiti 
I don't know if you're out there and you don't know, Dominican Republic and Haiti are on the same island, okay? If you knew that, you're like, yes, Heather, we already know. But if you didn't know, that was deep, right? You learn something new every day. Because when I was very little, I did not know that. I didn't know where Puerto Rico was. I didn't know where that... I'm not going to lie. I found out where Puerto Rico was three years ago. Our perspective on Haiti is a reflection of anti-blackness. Period. Because it's on the same island as Dominican Republic. There's such a positive uh, opinion about people who are Dominican. Such a negative, spooky opinion about Haitian people. And that goes back to our point about Mm -hmm. anti-blackness. So going back to Tyree really quickly before we wrap it up about him um, just for today, because this is an ongoing story that we will be talking about again. In conclusion, black people perpetuate anti-blackness. Brown people perpetuate anti-blackness. Anyone else who I'm not mentioning perpetuates anti-blackness. White people perpetuate anti-blackness global anti-blackness yep it sums it all up for me because (laughs) because it's not like i don't want people to not be able to connect the dots what we experience in the united states of america is not oddly strangely similar to what people experience in india it's not like so happens to be what is experienced in china Asia, all these different countries, Brazil, all of the South American countries, so or the Caribbean countries. It's not like these things don't have anything to do with one another. They totally do. So we have to hold ourselves um, accountable as well. We need to do that. We need to have these hard conversations because we really can't continue like this. We have a fight with white supremacy and racism systemically, institutionally, but we need to have a family talk. We need to come in. Come sit down. And have a conversation amongst ourselves. But I want to leave you with something. <laughs> this, um, I follow her on Instagram um, at The Nap Ministry. And she wrote something that I found the lights, Walter. really, that was like a warm hug. Yeah. When I saw this on the day the Tyree Nichols video came out or the morning after, It felt like a warm hug, and I'm going to read it to you guys. I wish us all tight hugs, deep eye contact, long naps, warm blankets, and a community that asks the question, how is your heart, and waits and listens for the answer silently. May the ground under us hold us up with strength, And if we need to collapse into grief, may a soft pillow be there. Listen, listen, that is what I want for me. And that is what I want for you guys. I want you to be okay. I want you to check in with your folks and check in on their hearts. None of this is okay. But in the end, I really believe we're going to be okay. Amen. And what I want y'all to do is call things out that don't make no goddamn sense. Mm. If you see something happening within your community where y'all just sit in a room hotboxing together and someone says something that's anti-black and the smoke is thick in the air, clear it and say, hey, you, 
That's anti-black, and you're perpetuating anti-blackness, and I won't stand for it. And then smack him in the face. Just kidding. But, you know, stand up for it. Call it out. Don't be afraid to have these conversations, you know, and also do it so I'm not alone. Yeah. Or you can also say, I can't believe you're comfortable saying that out loud and then just walk away. So let them go sit with it and go research it. Because you know what? Having to lecture folks on racism and how harmful it is, is emotional labor. And we stop working for free. So, yeah. Yep. And down to the teeny, teeny little things. Even when they say, look at this or look at that. Say, that looks anti-black. Just smack him. (laughs) <laughs> but don't do anything that puts you in harm's way. True. Yeah. I'm just kidding, guys. Y'all would never do that. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this very special live event uh, from Dramatic But Valid. From Dramatic But Valid. Thank you so much for having me back, Heather. This was so much fun. It was a heavy topic. It was. But we I'm... started off twitching. Yeah. But, but we're so happy that we created a safe space to unpack some really hard stuff and I hope you guys found it helpful too. Amen. And love you, miss you. Make sure you comment, rate, and leave a review. Subscribe. And and share. And share it. Send it to mad people. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm watching you. Don't. don't, You don't want no problems with me. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Love you, miss you. Period.